Would you bow your hearts and pray with me this morning, please? Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for today. Um, as I glanced out the window on my way up to the platform this morning and saw yet more rain, uh, we give you thanks for that. We recognize that um, it is your kindness in our life that you supply the things that we need. Uh, Father, oftentimes, even when we don't see the need ourselves or feel that, that we need or deserve, you still continue to provide for us. And uh, we're thankful for so many of those gifts. Father, as we stand and, and sit in this building, we're grateful again that you have provided this for us, uh, that we're able to do uh, so many things that would advance your kingdom within these walls and on these grounds, and, and we thank you for that. Uh, Father, I ask that you just be with us this morning as we open up your word. Would you just bless um, our time? Uh, would you take the words that I say, Father, and would you, uh, would you work uh, in our lives? Father, would, would the, the message of uh, this morning uh, be your truth? And anything that would detract from that, Father, we pray that, that you would erase that from our minds, that we would not be distracted from those things. Uh, again, Father, we thank you that we can come together as a body of believers, that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and worship you this morning. And Father, we know this is only possible because of the gift of your Son, and it's in his name that we pray these things this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, or if you use the Pew Bible in front of you, I'm going to ask if you open up to the book of Second Corinthians. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians, particularly we're going to spend time in verses 3 through 11 uh, this morning. Um, a couple weeks ago when I had to give, like, this is what I'm going to preach on to Ryan so he could do the music, I had a total different passage, and I had been working through that passage for quite some time, but I found myself, I kept coming back to this particular passage in 2 Corinthians, and, and I want to spend our time this morning looking at it. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians starting at verse 3, and we're going to go all the way down through verse 11. This is, what, this is what Paul writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt we would, had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. 
this letter that, that Paul writes to the church of Corinth, Paul, Paul is telling them, Paul is writing to them that God comforts us. And that God comforts us so that we can comfort others. To encourage them to trust and, 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 and trust in God and put their trust in God, to put their faith in God. And, and throughout the pages of Scripture, we can see many different stories of suffering. Paul, Paul writes a lot about suffering. But in this passage, Paul says more about comfort and suffering than he does anywhere else. If this passage is new to you, if you've never come across this before, I encourage you, <laughs> cling to this one. There's a reason I keep coming back to this. Nowhere else does he speak so much of comfort in the midst of suffering. And Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth here, but he's also answering critics who said that his suffering, his difficulties, the trials that, that characterized his life, that they were actually evidence that he, that he was not really an apostle. I mean, right? if he was an apostle, if he was the real thing, then he never would have experienced this much trouble. Oh, but, but Paul's answer to that is this abundant suffering that he has endured and the overflowing comfort that he has received. These two are the very things that help point him to being an apostle. The very things that allow him to show Christ in his life. Look with me again to verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. Are, are you able to echo those same words that Paul says here? I mean, I can only, I can only speak for me which is good, but I don't, I don't think I can. I mean, too often in my life, in the midst of my suffering, I don't view it as the ability to then walk alongside somebody else or to share, to share my comfort with them. Too often I'm, I'm asking why. I'm... I'm even challenging God on why He would allow these things to happen. Right? Too, often, too often we even hear people who, who walk away from their faith because they feel that, that God, God should not allow people to suffer this way. Right? If God really loves us, He wouldn't allow this to happen. Right? If he, he really cared, He would make the suffering stop. And as soon as people find tragedy in their lives, it's too easy for some to walk away. Oh, but Paul's response is so different. I mean, his response goes against everything that we typically feel when we're being beaten down, oppressed, stretched, refined, or, or even corrected. So, so why is his response so different? I mean, he's Paul. But he's Paul because he learned that God the Father 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, is the God of all comfort. That's what helps make Paul, Paul. God is a God of justice and wrath and a God of peace and gentleness, a God of jealousy and holiness, but He's also God of compassion and mercy. If you haven't already experienced trials and heartache and tribulations in your lifetime, know they're coming. And many of you, many of you have, and you've walked long, hard roads. But it's in those heartaches that God shows us compassion. He demonstrates compassion and mercy in those moments when we feel like we're being poured out, when we can no longer stand on our own. That's that's when He shows us compassion. That's when we feel His mercy and love in our lives. If you have your Bible still with me, I'd love for you to turn to Psalm 23. Middle of your Bible, the book of Psalms. Now, I realize Psalm 23 is a very familiar chapter in the Bible for many of you. In fact, you, you actually may be able to recite it along as I, as I read it. But the fact that it's familiar to you is a good thing. This is a beautiful example of God's mercy and compassion. This is, this is what David writes. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is the God of all mercy and all compassion. He's the God of comfort. Now, now, maybe this is a good place for us to, to just stop and, and actually talk about what comfort is, what, what the word that we're trying to define really is. What do we mean by comfort? And, and many, many of us think different things when we think of the word comfort. We associate different things with the word. Um, one of the ways that we do this is with comfort food. Right? We like to eat certain foods because they make us feel good. I mean, some of you at this point are thinking, what's for lunch? And if that's going to be part of that comfort food, right? They bring us comfort if we don't feel right or, or we're, we're not quite all with it and, and we just want to kind of sit and, and sulk in it. We like to have some comfort food. Perhaps it's a piece of furniture that brings you comfort. My desk chair in my office has been with me for the past 15 years. It's not overly special in any way. It's actually a little ugly. But it's comforting to me. It's my chair. It's been with me from office to office through lots of things. It provides me great comfort when I sag inside of it. But, but Paul's speaking a little differently here when, 
when he's talking about comfort. The definition of comfort that we see here with Paul is is one of giving strength. And and actually, it's even a little more than that. The the Greek translation here, it actually kind of leans itself to to the way that that it gives an idea of a relationship, that that you have a relationship with someone who is giving you strength. It's, It's speaking about someone who would come alongside of you to give you strength. Someone to come alongside of you that would help carry that burden, help walk alongside of you and hold you up. Oh, changes the way we read this a little bit. Now, there, there, are, there are certain moments in parenting that, that nobody prepares you for. You, you're excited, you're going to have a child, you have the child, and then you start raising the child, and then you find there's lots of things nobody ever told you. And one of those moments is being startled awake in the middle of the night because your child is just standing there, and suddenly, for some reason, you wake up and you're just like, how, how long have you been there? <laughs> We've all had that. But you're confused, you're sleepy, you're, you're somewhat upset that that's how you woke up, your heart's beating out of your chest, and you hear those words, can I, can I sleep with you? They had a bad dream, there's a storm, they heard a noise. Whatever the reason is, they want to sleep in your bed. Now, they're not asking to sleep in your bed because you have a better thread count than they do. Or you're, well, you probably do because you're mom and dad. But, or, that, or that your pillows are, are softer. Or it, It's not about the comfort of your bed, it's about the comfort you provide. They're comforted by laying beside their parent. And and you say, it's okay, don't worry, I'm here. And you provide words of comfort for them. And then the rest of the night, you don't sleep because you're getting kicked and kneed and elbowed. But they sleep great. In our hour of need, the God of compassion, the God of mercy, the God of all comfort sent His Son, Jesus, to be by our side and to take our place on the cross. Jesus says to His disciples in Matthew 28 that He would never leave us nor forsake us to the end of the ages. He would always be by our side. He says that He will never leave us. He, he, like, he, knows, he knows of the trials. He knows of the struggles. He knows of the tribulations that are coming for us. And yet he says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. He knows that it's going to be messy and heartbreaking. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. James chapter 1, verses 2-4, through four, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It is completely unrealistic to think that we won't face difficulties in our lives. And if, and if this is how you're approaching life, that it's going to be forever rainbows and unicorns, then brothers and sisters, you're in for some massive disappointment. 
And it only just kind of sets you up for defeat. You're going to have to face many difficult days. And, and, and for some of you, you're just beginning this journey. And for some, the promises of the hope that is to come provides great joy. But amid our trials, amid our difficulties, amid our tribulations, we are assured that God is a God of comfort. It's, it's easy sometimes for us to forget that God is God. I mean, He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not being mean, and He's not being wrong. I mean, nothing that's going on in our lives, or even in our world, is, is by mistake or happenstance. It's not a string of bad luck. God is good. God is wise. God is loving. God is concerned. God is powerful, and God is merciful. And He's sovereign and in control. And He is with us. It's okay. I have you. Brothers and sisters, the enemy Satan prowls around like a lion seeking to destroy its prey. Do not allow yourself to listen to the lies that he speaks. He wants to destroy our faith, to question the compassion and the comfort of God. Remind yourself often these words that Paul writes, God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Not only is God there in the midst of your suffering, He's the only one comfort comes from. Look with me in verses 4. Uh, we're going to go through 4 through 7 here in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. Picking up where Paul was writing, Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God? For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also, so also you share in our comfort. Paul's referring to his own suffering here in verses 4 and 5. And, and, and again, we'll, we'll highlight Paul, Paul knows suffering. This is nothing new. Paul's not just throwing it out there. Yeah, like I've, I've suffered a little bit. I mean, stoned and jailed and beaten with rods and whipped, betrayed and shipwrecked and, and he's been lonely and let's not forget about poisonous snake bites and he's lived with a death sentence hanging over his head and, and yet in the midst of all these afflictions... He finds comfort in God. The outcome of all these trials was that he would be able to comfort those who were in any affliction with the same comfort that he had received from God. So the experiences, the trials, the tribulations, all of it serves so he can then walk alongside care for, love on, encourage, and comfort those who are going through afflictions and trials 
and struggles and suffering of their own because this is the comfort he has received from God so he will then carry it on to them. This example of perseverance alone, the way he persevered through all of these things, that would be enough to provide comfort for someone. I mean, the man never stopped. He just kept getting up. And and now his, his counsel, oh, his counsel would have been helpful and wise, and that would have been enough to provide comfort. Now, I haven't been bitten by a poisonous snake or escaped from an angry mob calling for my death, so... Where does that leave me when it comes to providing comfort for someone else? Perhaps you've, you've heard of the phrase at some point in your life, together everyone achieves more. Right? It's been on all these posters from... I, I actually spent time, probably too much time, trying to Google when this actually started, this team. T-E-A-M, together everyone all these inspirational posters that are around every workplace and every school. Everyone's trying to rah-rah, work together, right? If we all work together and do our part, we can achieve more together than we can by ourselves. I haven't been able to find out where it started or who started it. No one seems to know, but it's, it's there. But what we see here in verses 4 through 7 Isn't Paul saying together everyone achieves more? He's basically saying together everyone receives more. We're sharing our comfort. We're sharing our suffering. And together we receive more comfort. And we receive more hope. If we all suffer together and do our part, then we can receive more together than if we suffered alone. We can receive more comfort from each other than if we just suffer by ourselves. See, there's something powerful in these words that Paul writes because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so you share in our comfort. It's, these are strong Powerful, welcoming words. So when we ask, what should we do? Or or how can we provide comfort for those that are hurting? The first thing that we should really point to is, is Christ. This is what we see here. This is what Paul does here. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Point them to Christ. It all comes back to Christ. It should always come back to Christ. It was His suffering, His death that has provided us with any life and without, and, and it provides us with hope. The comfort that Paul receives, the comfort that he passes on was centered on Christ. It's centered in Christ. So if you walk alongside of somebody, if you want to care for somebody, if you want to provide comfort for them, Point them to Christ. Pray. Pray that Christ may comfort those who are suffering. Pray with them. Pray for them. Shower them with prayer. Share Scripture with them. Remind them of the truth. Push back against the lies that Satan is telling them. And share with them the words of promise and the words of hope. 
Help them find comfort by pointing them to Christ. And after you do that, after you show them Christ, extend comfort with your presence. What do you do to comfort someone when you don't know what to do? Just be with them. Sit with them. I have a good friend and he lost his leg to bone cancer when he was a teenager. And he often shares a story and he, and he talks about the story of when he was in the hospital and there was a youth pastor at his church that just started the week that he went in to have his leg amputated. The two had never met before and so one of the first assignments this poor youth pastor gets is go visit this kid in the hospital who just lost his leg. This young guy, not, not sure what to do, just went in and, and he just spent time with him in the hospital. And my, and my friend speaks about how he just went, he just spent time, he just, he just spent time, he just came in every day and spent time with him. And, and, and there was great comfort in knowing that someone is willing to come in and just sit beside you. Just their presence in the midst of pain is what sometimes brings comfort. If you've ever experienced that moment in your life where someone has come alongside of you and just held your hand, when, when someone has, was just wept with you, and, and words weren't even spoken, but, but you just know they're there with you, then you know the value of it. I mean, this is what you can offer somebody. This is how you can comfort someone. Together, everyone receives more. You already know the power of being present with someone. So who can you sit with? Who can you hug? Who can you hold hands with? Who can you weep with? Because you know how it feels to be comforted. So how can you comfort now? Look for me at verses 6 and 7. Oh, if we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Paul saw both his afflictions and experiences that he had with God's comfort as valuable pieces to contribute to the, to the Corinthians' comfort. He's experienced these things and he's now going to use these things to help comfort them. It is for your comfort which produces endurance, the ability to outlast a trial. This endurance is not because the person is extraordinarily strong or brave. I mean, we like to think of ourselves in terms of superheroes, but we're not. No one here is Superman or the Hawk or not even Batman. If we're able to endure without growing weary or despondent or lose faith, it is only because of God's gracious empowering. Endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. There's an illustration, there's a story of a, of a boy who was 15 and 
having a lot of different symptoms. His parents take him to the doctors. They eventually take him to the hospital. And, and this, this 15-year-old boy is diagnosed with leukemia. And the doctor tell him in, in very frank terms about the disease. They, they talk about the next three years, what his life will look like. They talk about chemotherapy, and they don't sugarcoat anything. And, and upon learning this, the, the boy just, again, depressed and sad. And, he, and his aunt actually decides she'd, she'd love just to cheer him up. She goes and she calls the floral shop and she sends an arrangement of flowers to him. She tells the clerk that it's for a teenage nephew who has leukemia. And the flowers arrive and they're just beautiful. And the boy looks at the flowers and he's like, oh, they're beautiful. And he reads a card from his aunt. And then he notices a second card. It said, Douglas, I took your order. I work at this florist. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm 22 years old now. Good luck. My heart goes out to you. Sincerely, Laura. His face just lit up. This boy, who's sitting in a hospital filled with millions of dollars of sophisticated medical equipment, is being treated by expert doctors and nurses with lots of training. He was a sales clerk at a flower shop. Taking time to share in his suffering, to share her experience, the comfort, and, and sharing it and passing it on, doing what her heart led her to do and giving him hope. Providing comfort through the knowledge of the same struggle. Now, this brings me to a point where huh, I'm going to totally pause and take a side tangent. It actually says in my notes, side tangent. Everything that, everything that we've talked about so far has been about reaching out. I spoke uh, earlier last month, or last month, about hospitality. We talked three weeks of hospitality and the importance of, of, of giving and sharing and open ourselves up to other people. And, and so here we are this morning. You're supposed to be reaching out. You're supposed to be providing comfort and sharing and and. and sharing, and, and we do more together. But, but when you or I find ourselves in the midst of suffering, what, what's your normal response? We begin to pull inward. Right? We keep the details of what's going on in our lives to ourselves. We seclude ourselves, and, and we even push people away. Right? I grew up in a house and, and my parents adopted uh, children. And the situations were not always good and uh, home life was not always pleasant and there was a lot of things going on. And, and one of the rules that we had in our house was what happens in our house stays in our house. Oh, I love my parents, but that is damaging. And we do these things for a variety of reasons, right? We pull inward, we keep it to ourselves, we push people away. We, we do it for a variety of reasons. We, we don't want to bring other people down. Right? I, I don't want to hurt the people I care about. I certainly don't want to feel like a burden to them. We, 
We're afraid that, that people are going to want us around. And we don't want people to see us this way. Oh. I understand. Oh, I, under, I understand the list. I, I'd be lying if I said I don't flirt with that list myself. But you're wrong. If, if that's what you're telling yourself, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Someone needs to tell you. If your motto in your house is what happens here stays here, it's damaging. Being unwilling to share your struggles and your trials, your afflictions with brothers and sisters in Christ is keeping you away from comfort. It's keeping you away from having someone carry burdens with you. Are you not tired of carrying your stuff? Take out the hymnal that's in front of you for me. It's blue. It looks like this. And open to the inside cover. And I would love for you to just follow along as I read the second paragraph. This is our church covenant. And in the second paragraph it states, we will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk together in Christian love. We will exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warn, rebuke, and admonish one another as occasion may require. We will remember each other in prayer, rejoice in each other's joys, and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. We will be slow to take offense, always eager to seek the reconciliation Christ commands, and will work to persevere to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This, this is what we have committed to each other. That we will endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. If I'm unwilling to allow other people to see the battles that I'm in, if I'm so set on carrying it all by myself, then recognize that we're missing out on the comfort that comes of others standing alongside of us in tenderness and in sympathy. And not allowing us to fulfill the things that we have promised. It says we will, not eh, for them. Together, everyone receives more. You will receive more comfort. You will receive more grace. You receive more mercy. You receive more love. You receive more encouragement. It all comes when we share in this together. When someone shares about their suffering, others who are experiencing that same suffering, brothers and sisters, they find comfort. Do you not like to know that you're not alone in this? I try hard to be an example of being open and transparent when it comes to suffering, when it comes to trials, when it comes to frustration, the loss of a child, depression, difficulty in parenting, poor decisions as a teen, as a young adult, and as an older adult. It's important for us to be open. As brothers and sisters, 
of a body of believers, we come together to encourage and uplift and to hold each other. Why are we not allowing that to happen? Why is our instinct in these difficulties is to run and let everybody else where they are and push back and separate ourselves instead of running to the arms that can hold us? Huh. Stand in front of my bed in the middle of the night. It's fine. I will wake up and try to comfort you. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering so often, so also you share in our comfort. And then lastly, let's look at verses 8 through 11 and come back from our tangent. Paul concludes this section. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the providence of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted, granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, we're not really sure what the trial that Paul's speaking about here is, Different people debate different things, and, and, and I, I don't want to talk about what's not here, but what is here is we can see the theology behind the incident. He wants us to know that what suffering has taught him, and what it's taught him about God and the increase of their own thankfulness of God's mercy in their life. I mean, Paul writes that, that he despaired of life itself. Paul experiences such difficulty that he's got no more strength in himself. And in verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he continues in verse 10, on him we have set our hope that he continued to deliver us, right? What has happened in the past will happen again in the future. Paul's confidence in the presence, Paul's confidence in, in the now is based on, on his deliverance in the past. And that Christ's resurrection makes certain that we know that there will be a final deliverance from trials and suffering to come. Trouble is inevitable. Suffering will happen. So how do you respond when trouble comes and, and suffering grabs hold of your life? How we respond is what matters. I was 15 or 16 and I crashed my bike going down a hill and I was moving at a, a high rate of speed. I hit some loose gravel and before I knew it, I was just sliding along the pavement. I had road rash all down my side, my arms and my legs, cinders and dirt. It was painful and not pretty. And I got home and my dad just happened to be home. And he told me, <laughs> he said, boy, go get in the shower so I can clean those cuts out. I said, Dad, I got it. I'm all right. I'll be fine. And I can still, I can still hear his words. You won't be able to clean it out as good yourself. Huh. It, it hurt. 
it hurt extremely bad when he began to scrub those rashes and those cuts. (laughs) But he was right. I never would have cleaned them as thoroughly as he did. I never would have scrubbed it as hard as he did. But because he loved me, he was willing to do what I could not do myself. He caused even more pain in that moment than I believe the accident itself. But he did it so I wouldn't have to deal with the infection and that it would heal properly later on. I mean, this is the same, it's the same true if, if you're removing the, the splinter out of your child's hand. Like, you know it's going to hurt. They know it's going to hurt. And, and you have to dig it out. And, and, you, and, and you're asking them to trust that, that hurting that finger is the only way to make it stop hurting. It doesn't make sense, but, but as you're, you're their parent and you know what's best for them and you love them and so you hold them and you dig and you pull it out and when it's out, you show it to them and they're like, oh, and they're okay. So you do what's best for them. You scrub out the wounds or you pull out the splinter. There are traumas and trials in our lives in which we have no explanation as to why they're happening. But it doesn't stop us from asking, why doesn't God stop it? Or why didn't God change it? And we find ourselves asking why a lot. And and there's some questions that we will not have answers to this side of eternity. but can I just offer you this? Perhaps in those moments when you find yourself asking why, maybe ask who. Remind yourself of the who. That that God is God. And that God is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And how He has delivered and provided for us in the past, He will continue to do so. So in the midst of you asking why, maybe remind yourself of the who. And remind yourself that God is the God of all comfort, and that he, comfort us, he comforts us in times of trouble. And He does so so that you can in turn provide comfort for those that are hurting around you. And when we do that, together everyone receives more comfort. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again uh, thank You uh, for... Um, for this morning. We thank you that we can come together uh, from all different areas, from all different um, places this morning, that we can come together and meet here, that we can uh, sit alongside brothers and sisters in Christ and we can worship you, that we can open up your word, we can talk about, uh, we can talk about the many things that, that you are in control of. Father, we looked at Paul this morning, we talked about Paul's suffering, and, and Father, how he is that it wasn't about the suffering, it was about the comfort that you provided and the comfort that he can share and the ability to walk alongside and, and hold others up. And, and Father, I pray, I pray 
this morning for the brothers and sisters in our congregation this morning who, who just feel beaten down this morning. Who, who, feel like, who feel as if they're in the midst of a trial. Father, who, who find themselves suffering this morning. Father, I provide, first of all, I, I ask that, that you would provide for them, Father, that they would come to know you as their Savior, that they could find hope in you, they could rejoice in who you are. Father, I pray that you would continue to have people in their lives, Father, that, that we, wouldn't, we wouldn't resort to the, to the temptation to, to, to sink into ourselves, to push others away, but we would open ourselves up to allow others to care for us, to allow others to that we could walk with and they could help hold us up, that we would run to that. And when we do, Father, that, that those people around us would provide that love and encouragement, Father, they would provide that comfort for us. We would come to know other brothers and sisters, Father, who have walked in those shoes, that have experienced those things. Father, that we would recognize we are not alone. Father, this is our prayer this morning. I pray that you continue to work in our lives, that we would be alert and astute to the situations around us. Father, that we would see brothers and sisters that are hurting. And then that you would continue to work in our hearts, that we would be open to allowing others in. Father, that together we would receive more. We would receive more comfort and compassion, and encouragement, and love. And then, Father, we pray these things not just for our own, huh, our own care or our own selfishness. Father, we, we pray this so that Your Gospel would be advanced, that others would speak to us, and we would talk about the work that You've done in us and through us, and that people could come to know Your Son through our struggles and through our trials and through our suffering. Father, you are God and you are good. And we pray these things in your Son's name this morning. Amen.